Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. This is Advent and Advent is uh, the preparation for Christmas because it's uh, 30, not even 30, less than 30 days away. It's raining again. I don't know if anybody knows. And for our people in Princeton, all of them are online. Uh, just so people know, our campus up there had about six, seven feet of water in the basement. Um, so our basement is being redecorated. Okay. It's been stripped back to the studs, and we'll see where it is. But fortunately, thank God that not much more than that happened. And uh, Jen and Praxis are uh, kind of keeping an eye open for what we can do to minister in that. We Just so you know, you all bought breakfast for the evacuees last week for four days. So thank you for that, that we're able to just respond and do that. So we... And we're going to look at maybe doing some lunches or sponsor them and, and potentially take a team up uh, if the road ever opens every to do there uh, with hope of getting back. I really don't want to take a team up there uh, away from their family and then not see them till January 2022. So we're going to watch that. But this is a, just a little illustration of a gift. Uh, a wrapped gift, which it can have all kinds of things on there. Some of you uh, might already have gifts uh, under a tree. Some of you don't put up your tree until 24th or something like that. Some of you never put up a tree. It's okay, whatever, wherever you're at. But gifts are a big part of what Christmas is about. I, I think it originates out of the idea that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But in this box, there could be a lot of things. Some of you might have a wish of what you could get. We have this app that our family is using uh, called Elfster. I'm not endorsing it, but it helps a lot. Uh, because early on in our uh, marriage, I would buy gifts that I thought were amazing. Sometimes they weren't so amazing is how I found. And no matter what, there are some people who can hide what's happening and other people who can't hide what's happening and what they're thinking. Uh, there are some people, uh, you may, may be married to one of them, whatever's happening inside is showing right here. So when you say thank you, that sounded like saying thank you that I gave you a sickness or something like that. But some of you might be hoping for some new shoes. Some of you might be hoping for some box of chocolates. Some of you might be hoping for a book. Some of you might be hoping for two tickets to see something at the, at the, the theater. I don't know. Lots of different things that, all, that many different people, if we went around the room and asked, what gift, what are you really waiting for? What are you anticipating? It would be a lot of different things. And some of us are not really big gift people, and you're just happy if people are happy around you. Some of you might like the gift of family. But I think a gift that our world needs more than ever right now is a gift of hope. We have such a need for hope in our world right now. We've tried, and our world has tried so many different things to put our hope in, put our hope in our finances, and, and things are in a challenging state in our world globally right now. Hope in so many things, but so many things are being shaken. And, and when we come into Christmas, what an incredible gift it would be for each one of us to receive more and more the gift of hope. People who, who are struggling right now for various reasons. I think of the Afghan refugee families that are, have been applying to receive a Christmas hamper from Horizon Church, and we get to do that. 
we get to do that. Found their way across the globe, left home, left everything, and they've landed here. Uh, probably have seen more rain in the three weeks that they've been here than they have in the previous three years, wondering where have they come to. But there's also people who are struggling with relational chain challenges, physical pain, maybe got a bad diagnosis from the doctor. Then we think of our friends in Princeton and around the province who are in various states of, of, of challenge right now because of the rain that's coming down. And in it all, Christmas can be highlight wherever you're at. If things are going well for your life and the people around you are close to you, and it's like the most wonderful time of the year. But with all that's going on, and if there's difficulty in your life, and it can begin to color where what we see and what we think. And the holidays intensify things like loss. The holidays intensify things like difficulty and pain. The holidays intensify that because it's the season where we're all supposed to smile and be happy and, and rejoice, which it is, that. But in the middle of it all, we can begin to lose in the middle of dark days, in the middle of difficulty, in the middle of all the craziness of our lives and the chaos of our world right now, we can begin to lose perspective. But there are dark seasons. And it's important to acknowledge that there are times when it's just not, all is not well with us. And in Psalm 30 and verse 5, it says, weeping may stay for the night. But rejoicing comes in the morning. And that's the reality of our world. We, it's not every day is rejoicing and everything is good. That there are seasons where there are weeping and there are seasons where there is confusion. There are seasons where you're not sure what things are and where things are going. And that's why more than ever, I want to end this year with a new perspective or a fresh perspective. For as dark, as difficult as things have been and may maybe continue to be, there is still light and hope in the middle of it all. Today we enter the season of Advent, and Grace already referred to it. Advent is just simply a word that means coming. It's a time where over the next four Sundays we will anticipate and celebrate the coming of Jesus. In Paul, in 1 Corinthians 16, and verse 22, the Apostle Paul, one of the great church planters of the church, one of the great leaders of the church 2,000 years ago, he closed one of his letters with this word. He said, come Lord Jesus. And it was a word that was in Aramaic was called Maranatha. And often the early church would greet, some, greet one another with this phrase of Maranatha because no matter what's going on in our world, we remind, we remind ourselves of Jesus who came and is coming again. And that's the source of our hope in the middle of it all. And so we turn to in the middle of this Advent journey of hope and joy and peace and, and love in Isaiah 9 verses 2 and 6 together. This is one of the famous prophecies of Jesus. The people waiting in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And down to verse 6, for to us, and this is why the light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And Isaiah was a prophet who wrote this between 740 and 725, roughly, B.C. He was a contemporary of the prophets Moses or Amos and uh, Hosea. Some would say that he was the greatest prophet, and all would agree that he was mostly prophesying to a nation in decline, financially, ethically, morally, spiritually, in every way, and in, in decline. 
a people broken, a people filled with despair, not knowing, people confused with what was happening around them, a dark time in Israel's history. And Isaiah, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was prophesying and giving hope in the middle of darkness. That's the story of the gospel. It's the story of Jesus. And Isaiah was prophesying about the coming of Jesus. Jesus' arrival on earth was a great source of hope to all people, the angels said. For centuries, God's people had stumbled in darkness. They had stumbled in confusion and tormented and seemingly defeated, wondering when the Messiah would come. And today, many of us might be feeling the same, surrounded by darkness as we struggle with our own situation and live in a world that seems to be chaotic and ever more chaotic. And it can be hard to have hope in the middle of it all. Hope has never been in a greater need than it is right now and probably in lower supply. But the best way to eliminate darkness that steals hope is to turn on the light. When Jesus became human and came to us as a baby, the ancient prophecies were fulfilled and the world found hope in the birth of a Savior. Has something ever exceeded your expectations? Maybe it's uh, when you hardly studied for that exam in college and you're like, I don't know how I got an A on that. They mix something up. Maybe it's when you got a gift that you weren't anticipating. Maybe it's when you got a dog that's still around at the age of 15 and you never anticipated that you would still have that dog. Some of you think that's a good thing. I'm not, <laughs> just never mind. And a child was born, a child, a baby. And when he was born, he was born in a stable in this small town called Bethlehem. But as he, when he came, the world did not recognize him for who he was, except for a few who were specifically told to be there, like the shepherds. Nobody else really knew who he was, a child. For the most part, he grew up as another Jewish boy learning the trade of his father, probably living under the stigma and uh, criticism and the glances of a being a son that had been conceived out of wedlock, allegedly. The people probably just saw another child, but this was no ordinary child. And this child makes your hope valid today because this child is the one about whom prophecies were spoken of for thousands of years. Not just general prophecies that he would come, but that he would be born in a certain town. And he was, that he would live and grow up in a certain place, and he did, that he'd be born to a virgin, and he was, that he, that he, would, li that he would be crucified or die in a certain way. Crucifixion hadn't even been invented when the prophets prophesied about it. And that he would live and die and rise again in newness of life, defeating once and for all the, the sting of death. But initially, he was overlooked, passed over, Ignored as just another kid. I wonder how often I miss what God's doing because I overlook the little things that he's doing in the middle of my life. Just things that I say, well, it's not that big of a deal. Things insignificant. I was 29 years old and I'd been unemployed. This was a long time ago now. 
And I've been unemployed and trying to find work in the town of Campbell River where we lived at that time. The 90s, the late 90s, uh, were a difficult time in BC. We won't go into why I think that was, but uh, difficult time. And I had been doing whatever I could to get keep food on the table uh, between unemployment insurance and all that. So, But here it was coming. I'd been doing this whether it was construction work or whether it was selling Christmas trees, which I did for a while, um, all kinds of things to keep my, my, my family fed, two kids and one on the way. And here, here I was uh, literally on my last EI check, and I saw an ad in the paper. Those were things that people used to have. Read them, yeah. And it said that there was a job as a youth worker at a at this society for high risk youth, and I was like, I don't think so. But I thought maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll apply. And so I applied. And the person calls me back and starts talking to me and said his name. And I was like, Are you this person? He's like, Yeah. I said, You went to university with my brother, didn't you? He's like, Yep. I did. I was like, oh, maybe there's something to this. So I took the, I got, went in, went for that, and applied, and got the job. Got my last EI check on Wednesday, had the interview on Friday, and started the job on Sunday. In a moment which had seemingly been insignificant for me, just a little ad, and I paid attention to it in that moment, mostly not because of great faith, but because I'm addicted to eating. I wanted to eat more. But it started with something so insignificant, and God, through the next number of years that I was there, I went from being uh, just on the spare board to eventually running the program, and, and God taught me so much about compassion. God taught for young people that I, I began to understand that nobody ever grew up wanting, dreaming, no young lady did, dreaming to be a prostitute when I looked eyes across a 16-year-old who that had been her experience. Nobody grew up wanting those kind of things. And God used it so powerfully in my life. But it started with some insignificant moment that I might have overlooked. Might we be failing to see God's hope breaking through because it just seems small and insignificant right now? Do we reject what God is doing because it comes in a package we don't like or didn't anticipate getting? He's moving on our behalf, but it's rarely at our speed or our timing. And if you've experienced that, you can say a loud amen. <laughs> if you've served Jesus for a while, you know that he's coming, but he's coming <laughs> right on time. His light is breaking through. This Jesus is hope because he transcends and goes beyond the shaking of a loss of relationship, the shaking of our world, the shaking of the weather, the shaking of the finances, the shaking of the political world, and he is unshakable. He's not unshakable because he's a good teacher with a lot of moral principles. He's not a, unshakable because he lived a good moral life, which he did. He is unshakable because he came in as a fulfillment of, of long prophesied words from God. He came, he's unshakable because he, he died, buried, and rose again, conquering death and releasing life to all who would follow him. He is the unshakable one. And when we look at Romans uh, 15, 12, and 13 together, it says this, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one will arise, who will arise to rule over the nations, prophesying of Jesus. In him, the Gentiles will hope. Somebody say hope. Let's say that again. Hope. May the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our world needs an overflow of hope. Isaiah is, quoted, is being quoted in Romans 15 as the Apostle Paul is re- pointing to the root of Jesus, which rep- or the root of Jesse, which represents Jesus. And he's reminding us again that Jesus is the source of your hope. We speak Jesus. After quoting Isaiah, Paul gives us this little benediction and he says, he prays that, our, that we would be filled with joy and peace as we, that, and that we would overflow with hope because our joy and peace increase as we trust in Christ, which leads to an overflow through your life. Hope doesn't increase simply because of favorable circumstances. doesn't necessarily decrease because of unfavorable circumstances. So much has been shaken that the unshakable will remain. We hope in the unshakable to overcome what seems impossible. The difficulty, though, can be to maintain your hope, your trust, your confidence in God when things are not happening the way or at the speed that you thought they they should. Where do you need to trust him right now? What situation are you facing that needs him? Because look what it says. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as, or in other words, because of your trust in him. And then you will overflow with hope. It's important to remember that in all of this that's in our world, that you, when you give your life to Jesus, if you've given your life to follow Jesus, everything begins to shift and change. Your hope is solid. Not like hoping the Canucks will win. That's delusion. (laughs) Jason in Princeton, you will probably text me now. It's not like, it's more like when the bus is coming and it's scheduled to come and you're leaning out looking for the bus to come. That's more what hope is. Hope is not the Canucks. You will remember that now. Hope is leaning out and you're saying, God's coming through. I'm going to lean out. Lean out and say, God's coming through. He's going to do what he said he would do. He's faithful to be who he said he would be. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. But I know that he's faithful to his promises. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, so that if you belong to Christ, this you has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That means there's new hope. There's new perspectives. There's new motivation. There's new life inside of you. So you can begin to have hope because what Because what even our next verse says is that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So no matter what I'm facing, I have Christ in me, the hope of glory inside of me. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Lots of words by faith and by trust that hope comes. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That means, I love that phrase, in all things, God works. Sometimes it can be tempting to say, everything is up to me. We live in stress, we live in overwork, we live in frustration. But hope begins by trusting in God and saying, God, I don't know what's happening right now. 
I'm a little discouraged in this area. I'm going to choose to trust you, and I'm going to release that situation. I'm going to release that person. I'm going to release my finances. I'm, whatever it is, I'm going to release it to you because I know that you are working. God works. He's not silent. He's not absent. He's not forgotten. He's not on a call somewhere. He's not scrolling through Facebook. God's working all things, in all things for your good and his glory. We hope in the unshakable to overcome what seems impossible. And as you grow in faith, you begin to overflow with it. And where our world needs to see hope, it's going to come through people that walk with God, that know God, and that have hope inside of them such that it overflows out of them. And hope comes pouring out of you in every situation so that the people around you begin to ask, how can you have hope in the middle of this? What is going on? But what is the purpose of being filled to overflowing with hope? I love every year where we get to do hampers. And if you can be uh, one of the delivery people that gets to deliver them, take take it and roll with it. I remember one of our first times we brought that I got to participate in and we brought all the, because our hampers are big. Tareth, you, you, she fills them up and then asks, Pastor, can we put some more in? She's, she's going to do that. And so we brought, I remember bringing the food in and we don't bring one box. It's like boxes and turkeys and all kinds of stuff. And we covered this table of this single parent with food just cover the table. And she's so happy, smiling. Little kid is over in the corner, little girl, maybe five, six, or seven years old. I said, but we're not done. So then we went out to the car and brought in the gifts. And this little five-year-old started jumping up, up and down. She's like, Christmas is here. Didn't say it like that, but Christmas. And she was screaming and shouting, tears running down her face. Her mom is crying, I'm crying, and I'm trying to go because I don't like crying in front of people. But it was so good that the overflow of the hope of Horizon people overflowed into the community. And somebody who needed hope saw some hope that God might have seen them that day. And when we lived in, Cor in Campbell River, you could, uh, usually around this time of year, you knew it was foggy before you ever opened your eyes. Because you would hear a... On Cape Mudge, on Quarter Island, there's a lighthouse. And when it got foggy, it would begin to, it would make that noise. I'm not going to do that again. I've fooled of myself once is enough. And, and you would look down and you could see as well the light swirling around, making a noise, swirling, because it wanted to help people navigate and also help them to avoid going onto the rocks. And hope is a lot like that. Hope helps to guide us through the uncharted, the unknown, the dangerous territory, the times, the darkness that we're in. And hope not only helps us, though, hope is meant to share with others through the overflow of our lives. The Apostle Peter said this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. Always be prepared to give an answer. And sometimes the answer is just in living out your life. Sometimes it's speaking it out. Sometimes it's uh, an act of kindness. It's all the above. It's not word or deed. It's both. That people can see that the, the hope of God is in us, that are followers of him and overflows out of us. 
And Jesus said it this way, and this is probably one of my life scriptures. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on the lampstand, it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light, and that's what we've been talking about over the last number of weeks with Legacy. Let your light shine before men in uh, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You are a lighthouse if you're a follower of Jesus to the world around you. Don't hide your light in this season. Let it shine. That's what hope can do. Let the hope of Jesus shine through you. Let the hope of Jesus shine through you so clearly that people can't help but ask and wonder, what is the reason for the hope that you have? You're going through the same thing I am, but you're coming out way differently than I am. There's no greater gift that we can give to the people around us than the eternal hope that's found in Jesus. Coming to know Jesus as the forgiver and leader of your life because it begins a journey of transformation. It begins to change our lives from the inside out. That no matter where we came from or what we've gone through, that the Jesus inside of us can take us into a new and a better hope. And beyond that, there's the hope of heaven. C.S. Lewis said it this way, hope is one of the theological virtues. That means that a continued looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some might think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. Far from it. If you read history, though, you will find that Christians who did most in the present world were just those who thought most of the next, knowing that the hope of Jesus is, how can I not respond and be a hope-filled person to the world around me? You might feel overwhelmed by the state of our world, but don't lose heart. Jesus has overcome the world. There's hope in him. Choose to find hope in the promises of God. Choose to find hope in who Jesus is. And the worship team, if you're there, you may come. Choose hope and share it with others around you. It could be your classmate in college. It could be a, somebody in your school. It could be somebody who you work with. Share the hope of Jesus. This, more than ever, is the time. People are open to talk about spiritual things. You could Maybe you're going to share. Maybe you're going to invite them to one of our Christmas Eve services. Maybe you're going to uh, invite them to come and help pack a hamper for you or with you. But imagine... Each of us having a fresh encounter with hope. And Advent is that time to slow down a little bit. I know we're racing to Christmas, but slow down and pause and reflect on where is my hope? What's causing me to not trust God and stealing my hope right now? Wouldn't our lives look so much different if we lived trusting that the God of heaven is for us? He's moving on our behalf. He's our counselor. He's our mighty God. He's our everlasting father. He's our prince of peace, Jesus. But we have to choose. Do I trust him with my life? But for some of us, it means that we need to make maybe for the first time a decision to follow Jesus and surrender our life that we can begin a journey both of transformation that's changing our present but also changing our destiny through the goodness of God. But it first comes with surrendering our life and say, Jesus, God, I need you. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And God begins a journey of transformation in us. But for all of us, 
Maybe you've known Jesus for a long time, but you'd say, pray for me because I know Jesus, but pastor, some of the things that have been shaking my life have been shaking my life. And if I'm honest, I've been stealing my hope a little bit. And I want to overflow with hope as I trust in him. I invite you to stand to your feet and respond real quick to the word of God. And then we're going to pray. Just bow your head for a moment and just hope is so connected to trust. Just reflect for a moment. Lord, is, and maybe even ask the Holy Spirit this. He'll speak to you. Is there an area where I'm not trusting you right now? Is there an area where I need to grow in my trust of you? Maybe it's something that to somebody else might seem insignificant, but to you it's very real. And just take a moment and release that to the Lord and say, Lord, Help me to trust you. I release that situation. I release that person. I release, I don't know how I'm going to fix it, but I invite you into the middle of it all. I choose to trust you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your kindness and your goodness. We thank you that we can hope because of who you are. You are faithful. You are kind. You are good. We are being made new from the inside out, that you are at work transforming situations, transforming us for our good and for your glory. We, we, Lord, I repent. We repent, Lord, of spaces and places where we've seized control and, and, and we're not releasing and trusting you with it. And we choose to release that to you. And Lord, I pray that for those watching online, those in the room, Lord, that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard hearts and minds as we trust you. That hope will flow, not just on the inside of us, but overflowing hope. Lord, I pray for those that have experienced loss, that have experienced bad prognosis from the doctor, that are walking through things right now. Lord, I pray by the goodness of God that you would surround each one with your love and your protection that the love of God would overwhelm the goodness of God, the hope of Jesus would somehow come on the in, inner person. And you begin to shift us from the inside out. Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.